and welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. On today's episode, we talk to a performer turned entrepreneur, Rosina Andrews. We discuss the many hats you have to wear as a freelance creative and the mindset needed to run a business and have a strong personal brand in the arts. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business, I'm joined by a dance pioneer who is changing the way dance is taught in the UK and internationally. She is the author of Pirouette Surgery and Leap Surgery, the creator of the dance and education convention Amplify, and has even found time to create the Rosina Andrews Method. So let's meet today's insanely talented guest. Hey, Rosina Andrews, how are you? Hey, Jamie Body. It's really nice to see you. Yes. Thanks for having me on your show. No worries. Thank you very much. Um, to give you a bit of context me and Rosina we go way back don't we do we? go way back when did we are you oh, the year below me at college or two years below two me two years but I met you at those summer schools so you were like a helper yeah. and I was a child does that sound weird yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I graduated in 2007 we, we both went to performance college musical theatre I 2007 and you were 2009 2009 and here we are so thank you for joining me so as you heard there listeners on the the intro which I hope you are pleased with Rosina there oh it it's surreal hearing that. Like, <laughs> did I do all that? Yeah, obviously I did. Yeah, no, it's really great. It's nice to hear it written down, actually. I think sometimes it's nice to take stocks. When you are your own your own entity, your own business, as you always say as well, your foot's on that accelerator. Oh, always, yeah, yeah. It's, you probably never actually sit never down. Never sit down and realise what you have done, which is really nice to kind of hear and, yeah. yeah Makes you, you want to do more. Always, There's always more. Yeah, yeah, there's always add more. a few more titles to that opening sentence if you can. Well, there is a third book on the way. Ooh, okay. Ooh. We'll get on to that more later. So what is a typical day in the life of Rosina Andrews like? Oh, a typical day. I don't really know what a typical day is because, because I am my own boss, life can change daily. I, can, I am so blessed to be able to do what I want when I want. Um, but a, a typical day... I'm not the earliest of risers. That's my husband. He uh, he gets up very early, but not me. Um, and then I'll probably spend some time working on a lot of my projects or doing admin, um, teaching classes, teaching private lessons. I do a lot of online sessions as well, so like mentor sessions with young dancers. Um, and then usually about 9pm I start planning something new and starting a new, like last night I was like, you know what, Rosina, write some of your books. So 9pm, there I am, typing away in my office. Um, yeah, it's... And as an average day, I'd guess. Okay, so obviously you are a very multifaceted creative, and you do it all still. You still teach, choreograph, you're writing your books, you've launched an online um, dance yes. education program. Yeah. How do you prioritise what comes next? Because obviously quite often I think as performers, or especially when you're training to be a performer, you are maybe put in a box of you are a singer-mover Absolutely. or you are a dancer, but... Clearly, you are smashing the mould and doing all of that. So how do you prioritise? Or does it kind of come to you in fits of creativity? I think, I think it comes to me in crea- fits of creativity. I prioritise um, what, what I've been trying to do over this last year is try and get most of my little niches running smoothly without me. So they're running automated. There's uh, scheduled posts. Like People are like, why did you write that on Facebook today? And I was like, what did I even write? I can't remember because I'd scheduled it. So it's all scheduled and sort of um, following a path on its own and then depending how I feel it depends what happens like yeah each day as it comes each day day by day I think that's great because again as performers we're quite often 
unfortunately, whether we're told to or subconsciously, we attach our worth to whatever project oh, or job absolutely. we have just finished. Yeah. I remember, for instance, when I um, back in dance on The Voice years ago, absolutely loved it, and I had a cast in the very next day, and someone was like, "You've just finished The Voice. What's next?" And I was like. Oh, I don't even have a moment to enjoy that. I'm <laughs> on to the no. next. I think what's lovely to hear there is that you're using your skills, being an entrepreneur, and then thinking, <clears throat> actually, my worth is me. I'm my own brand. I can work at my own pace, do my own thing. It's a long things. time to feel that, but that own pace is something I'm really grateful that I've managed to find. Yeah, yeah. And that's amazing. I, it's something I always say if I'm ever in a coaching session or one of my workshops is that to have a side hustle or a parallel career is... So it's worthwhile both as a human being, financially, mm. creative. Oh. I always think of it like as a seesaw. So I'm obviously a performer by trade, but now I'm a brand and social media specialist and journalist. So when one side of the seesaw is up with no work, the other side's yeah, gone down. I think that, that's really good. And I find that, I'm not sure if like, maybe the teaching's the side hustle part now. Maybe the, I'm the businesswoman and then that's the side hustle. I mean, I don't know, look at it that way. But yeah, it's nice to balance it out. And also just be like, you know what? I'm taking a day off today. <laughs> I love that. I love that the side hustle I mean, has I mean, I say that and be like, oops, I need to start working. You know. there's, there's sometimes the guilt of being uh, self-employed. I mean, you know, last week I went away with Sam down to the seaside and then I didn't do much work. And then Saturday night I was like, I probably should do something. Sort of the guilt of not always working. But yeah, it's, it's as long as you're, you know, I've got a bit of a business strategy ahead. I know that hopefully life will be fine. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Like it's, it's hard. Like I think when you're ambitious and driven, it's hard because if you worked maybe um, in a bank or as a graphic designer, there might be a clearer path to progression, yes. whether it be a promotion, a it branch manager. It's hard to keep thinking like what's next without like oversaturating what I'm doing. So it's sort of developing what I have as opposed to constantly launching new things. People are like, oh, when is the next book coming out? How are you going to write 10 of them? I'm like, no. I can't write 65,000 words 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find the skills you learned as a performer were transitional? Because that's one thing I find quite often when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients is they think, oh, I'm just a performer. I'm just a twirly. When I'm like, no, but there's so much more that like, you can pick up and retain things quickly. You don't mind meeting yeah. new people. Did no, you find this? Yeah, I think all of that. I always say that to a lot of my students, especially improvisation. That's something I go on and on and on about because you've got to be able to improvise, you know, at any point, not necessarily just dancing, but you've got to decide right there and then, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, especially if something goes wrong. Like last weekend we had an event and the ex uh, Exeter, they never opened up. The door never got opened and we had 130 dancers waiting there and somehow managed to find another studio. And it was like an imp like acting on my feet, acting fast, that um, I think I learned from dance and performing that you know leads you to being able to manage and handle life, whatever it throws at you. No, I think that's great. And I think one thing I, obviously I know you personally, so I know a lot more of your backstory. So maybe in a nutshell. I'm a crazy one. Yes, yeah, she's crazy. No, but <laughs> I know that Vincent, <laughs> she does love cake. We all love cake. <laughs> I know that you spent a lot of time in America training. So in a nutshell, can you tell our listeners whether they're new to you or new to the show, when, A, quickly when you started dancing, but yeah. then also maybe when those seeds started to blossom of, hey, hang on a minute, I, I think differently, I want to do this. Um, so I started dancing when I was three, possibly four. I'm not really sure of the actual age. I should probably ask my mum. Uh, she's a dance teacher, so obviously natural progression into the dance studio. Um, I was always quite nerdy at school. Um, you know, I got good grades. There was no, I, 
perhaps deep down, perhaps could have done maths as A-level, but I didn't. Um, and when I graduated and I was dancing and auditioning, I didn't feel majorly fulfilled just dancing. I knew there was something else. So um, I got into a dance company and a lot of people in that dance company were tra uh, from America, from Canada, Europe, and they were... They were like, Rosina, you still need to train. You need to get out there. And I was like, what do you mean train? I'm, I'm 21. I've, I've, you know, I've graduated. I'm, I'm trained. And they sort of opened my eyes to the fact there's way more than just the London dance industry. So moving to New York and living there and being surrounded by, I mean, everyone in New York has a side hustle. I don't think we didn't have it as much here 10 years ago, but now obviously everyone does. But I was like, whoa, there is so much more to just being a performer. Whereas I think sometimes... As young dancers, we are told, you know, you can be in Wicked, you will be an X Factor, you will teach baby ballet. They're the three options. Um, yeah. And I've done none of them. I absolutely... Yeah. Baby ballet is not we... my favourite. Wicked, yeah. I mean, I'm auditioning for Alphabet tomorrow. <laughs> I've got my top A. Just having come back from tonsillitis as well, yeah, so I you're sounding great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for you, obviously now you... Ah, oh, it's a multifaceted, have so many strings to your bow. But what was it like, the mental approach of, how you said, dance is all-consuming, to then thinking, hang on a minute, there's something else I want to do, and having the courage to do it. Because I found thinking, I want to do journalism and stuff. And I remember not going to an audition for a show, and people were like, why have we not gone to that? And then I actually went to like a, um, The Guardian do classes, and I did that. So I think, how did it you approach a, that? It is a courage thing. I think a lot of people perhaps doubted it. I think uh, some of my friends were like, oh, she's just she's just teaching now. Never really saw the long term what I was planning in my head. Um, I mean, really lucky that my parents completely supported everything that I've done. And my husband as well will absolutely go with whatever tangent I am deciding to do. Like, he is a very patient man. <laughs> Good old Sam. And um, I think, yeah, it's, it's the courage of people seeing what you're doing and it's being different, which is hard. Because everyone expects you to follow the same route which I'm not going to do that because I'm a bit, I'm a Leo and I'm feisty, determined, passionate, emotional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I think in the arts, you see someone maybe in the job or the role you want and you think, well, if I do those steps, I'll get there. Or yeah. someone else got a role, a job that you feel you're right for, but you, they did a completely different journey. So I think yeah. it's that whole comparison thing, isn't I think, it? I think the journey is something like whenever I teach young dancers or mentor or when I teach at colleges I'm like your journey is going to be so different to the person next to you and I really I hate it when I go so what's what's your dream job and they name a specific job and I think that's great to have a goal but that specific job if you're always on that one path to get that specific job you're going to miss the little turnings around you so I think it's you know I think aim to be successful aim to be happy aim to make money while you sleep and that's when the right journey will happen. Amazing. So on the, the note of success, in your eyes, what is success? And have your thoughts on what success, success is changed over time? Again, deep now. I feel like 10 years ago, success to me was being in a show or getting a job that everyone else thought was cool or everyone else was talking about, oh my God, Rosina's done this, Rosina's done that. But actually now, to me, success is uh, being able to have time to do what I want to do even if that's nothing to do with my job and have the knowledge that if I do take a week off or go on holiday or do take two days off and go home or something like that I can still maintain uh, my job and my you know not always having to constantly hustle to me that's success and I always say to my students if you can buy yourself a designer handbag for Christmas you're successful. <laughs>
on the flip side, what is rejection for you now? Because it's not your typical, I've been to an audition with 60 to 70 other dancers and I've not got a callback. What is rejection for you as an entrepreneur, business lady in the arts? The rejection is a really hard one because you have that whole closed mind that you don't want to see it. Um, So I see rejection sometimes as if I have an event and it doesn't sell very well. I look at that and think, oh, I failed. Or like there was one uh, convention this season of Amplify that just didn't, go anywhere and it was really hard to separate the reason it wasn't going anywhere was not because of me it was because of maybe I don't know a competition was that day or the parents that had a pantomime or something the same day so it's hard to separate that um but yeah I think it's I've lost my train of thought now no it's about rejection so for you what rejection to me it's when an event doesn't sell or even like when I get bad feedback so I can get like a thousand messages of phenomenal feedback off I'll get one and that one is sort of the one that stays on my mind which is so frustrating and I'm always telling dancers and performers that you know you need to look if there's a, a an arc of a hundred dancers there's perhaps 70 worse than you and 30 better than you but you never see the 70 worse you always see the 30 better so yeah that's the rejection now I think yeah. which is hard because it's not actually there well it is but like no one doesn't know if you, if you don't want to buy my book you don't buy my book you don't tell me but yeah. you know that's where the rejection I guess lies subconsciously and I think it's lovely for you to be so honest and and let our listeners know that because quite often how you said you see the people who are maybe you consider more successful or as a performer the people who are in the show you want mm-hmm. to be in but you actually think everyone's journey there is different yeah. you don't know how long how long they've been auditioning for that role or no. how many failed attempts at this or that to get to where they are now I think that you have to stick it out and I think there's an important to see each product sale each ticket sale each audition success whatever like that as a step in the correct direction I think you, you've got to take all those as positives even if sometimes they're a bit of a double-sided negative and so you are an entrepreneur whether or not you think you are or (laughs) it's weird for a performer to attach that term to themselves but obviously it is you're an author you have created an event you have your own teaching method your own online teaching platform do you share the workload between other people do you wear all the hats (laughs) how does it feel to be a a (laughs) non-stop business lady I am the boss no I'm joking (laughs) um I do share some of it out. Uh, I do quite a lot of it myself, and I wouldn't want to not because I think that's the point where your business becomes impersonal, and once it comes impersonal, it becomes unsuccessful. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to get a marketer. Oh, I'm going to get a designer. I'm, and I, I like having my fingers in the pot, but I couldn't run my any of my events without my group of helpers, so they are phenomenal. I couldn't do without them. I have my awesome assistant, Rory, who... He's more of a colleague now than an assistant, and it's great to be able to have someone to hand over. Oh, can you do this? Or someone to cover me if I need it. Um, obviously, Sam works quite closely with me. But yeah, I and I have you as my like brand creative. What are you, guru? <laughs> I'm gonna go with guru, Jamie the that. guru. Thank um, you. So yeah, I do a lot of it myself, and I would. I'd be interested to hire a few more people in to do the business side of things if it got bigger and I wasn't able to. But I like being able to. It's also satisfying to know nothing about business because obviously I left school at 16. I didn't do a business degree. I read a ton of books on business. Like I do know my stuff and I probably could do a business degree if I wanted, but it's quite satisfying to be like, oh, I've just launched an online platform and I've coded my website. Or like last night, someone from Singapore ordered my online remote 
dance subscription? And I'm like, yeah, I'm in Singapore. Yes. Like, it was only one person of like however many people there are in Singapore, but still, um, that's really quite satisfying to know that you did it. Amazing. Do you have any books then that have changed or changed your mindset or helped you along the way? So for me, a book I would always recommend is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. He's reading that one at, well... I say Sam is reading that one. He bought it. It's on the bookshelf. <laughs> He's getting there. <laughs> yeah. For me, that was all about how to maximise my time to get the best return on my investment. Book, yeah, it's so great. So for you, what book would you recommend to someone if you had to? Ooh, there's a lot. Um, I actually, there is one specific book that I'm going to talk about in a second. But for me, read anything you can find um, because there's little things in every book. Not so much fiction, I mean, it's always, you know, I'm reading a fiction book at the moment, it's good to get lost in it, but non-fiction, like I pick up a non-fiction book about the gut, and there's something something in there that helps you like link to something else that you can use in your teaching, or, um, so gut is a very good book, as is a, a book called Bounce, which is about a uh, table tennis player um, and his journey, and that was like mind-changing. But the book I think that I would recommend to most is called Key Person of Influence, um, I tell everyone about it. It's a tiny little book, um, and I've read it over and over and over again. I actually think that's that was the book that changed my business and my career. So, key person of influence. I can't think who it's by, but yeah. No, I. Well, I don't know where I, I've given it to someone at the moment. <laughs> so we've talked well, about rejection and wearing loads of different hats to be a business now, but who or what inspires you? I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I find it really hard to say one specific person inspires me, or when someone says, "Who do you want to be?" I just can't put my finger on who it is. Um, there is one woman in America who owns a phenomenal dance company. Um, and something about her, like I've been to her dance uh, teachers intensive, so Shannon Mather from Mather Dance Company. I would say she is the nearest to a who I want to be or who inspires me. Um, especially recently, she's just like popped out a baby and she's still touring all these amplifier, amplifier, <laughs> she doesn't do amplifier, um, still touring all these dance conventions. And I think, you know, she's quite inspiring to see that, you know, she's got phenomenal creativity, she's got a baby, she's got all these business minds and that sort of works out. But closer to home, inspiration is a very funny one. I think I draw it from everywhere. I always say my students inspire me and I think for me, my students, uh, especially the ones I teach on a regular basis, I want to know that they have had the best time in that dance class and that they look back on their dance life, whether it go on for the whole a whole of their lives or whether they, you know, they give up dance at 18 and go on to something else at uni, that they have had the best time. So they inspire me to keep my work fresh, to keep cool, to keep, you know, keep everything going. So yeah, I would say Shannon Mather of Mather Dance Company and um, my students. And what advice would you want to give to a younger Rosina Andrews that you didn't know at the time? Oh, younger Rosina Andrews. Um, I was saying to you at the start, actually, when I said you'd written down that I was an entrepreneur, I remember in, I think it was about year 10 PSHE class, being given, like, job roles that we had to act out. And I remember being given entrepreneur and throwing the biggest teenage strop because I was going to be a dancer and all this. And I think that, I think... That just highlights to me, funnily, that that's what I've ended up as. I mean, I don't believe that that's karma or anything like that from me. But I think knowing at 16 or 17 or even 25, actually, that you just have to follow what you want to do and trust trust the program of what you're planning, that I'd advise a younger version of me. 
I'd also maybe advise myself to go vegetarian a little bit sooner so my skin cleared up a bit earlier. But, you know, you know, you live and you learn. <laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> and do you have any mantras or quotes you um, use either daily or in your business model? So for me, one I swear by or try and implement is always risk versus reward. Is the risk of doing something mm. worth the possible reward you can get from it? Yeah, um, with my teaching, I always say trust the program. I think it's really important to trust what I have in store for the students or what the students have in store for me. So trust the program is that one. Um, and actually, one of them, I think it's your quote or something you said in one of your um, branding creative workshops, it's the 20%, 80% thing. Um, you got to invest in the 20% of people that adore you and then not worry about the 80%. I think we're always focusing on what new customers we can get. And actually, recently, I've been really trying to home in on my current customers and making them feel special. So... I think as a business, that's my mantra, the 20%, 80%. Yeah, that's no, so true. And if any listeners out there who are not sure, what is this math we're talking about? It's <laughs> typically you say 80% of your aggravation will come from the same 20% of your customers or the same 80% of your income will come from the same 20% of work. And quite often, instead of thinking, let's just invest more in that 20% they're actually giving me my money and making me happy, we think we need new clients all the time. Yeah. And then we're trying to get that other 80% who just aren't worth it. So I think that is a very good yeah, one no, to... That, that would that'd be my business plan. Yeah. Quoting Jamie Bond. <laughs> so obviously in our industry um, of being creatives, quite often you're told what you're not good at or you have to look in the mirror all the time and you mm -hmm. see what needs to change. For you, you probably then see failure across the board or people yeah. giving up. What for you, from an outsider's point of view and an educator, do you think the main reasons are people for giving up what they love? I think the main reasons people give up is because they're not informed of, one, how hard it's going to be, and two, they're not educated in a way to uh, like reach the surface even if they're sinking. I think you know business is not apparent in dance college's curriculum. Neither is mental health, neither is um, just being shown what a network is. They don't have a clue. And because of that, it there's this false sense of security that it's going to be easy, even though we're told it's going to be hard. But we're never told how, we're never given the armbands to float. So I think that to me is the biggest um, reason people quit. And also people don't love it. And if you don't love it, you shouldn't go into it. I think if there was ever an option at 16 or 18, oh, I want to be a dancer, but if I can't be a dancer, I want to be a vet then go be a vet because there's an option there. And if you're not fully committed to it, you never will make it. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I think that's the biggest reason. And some people, like I train some of the best dancers in the world, actually, like they go to world championships. And if one of them, in fact, a couple of them might turn around to me and say, I don't want to dance. I'm 18, I'm into world championships. I don't want to dance. I'm happy with that because I'd rather them have a phenomenal kind of dance career, which is what they've had, and then, go into something else and be passionate about that and be successful than be half passionate about dance and never really be successful. Yeah, and I think going back to what we said earlier on and the transitional value of our skills, we learn so much as performers that we don't, we don't value the skills outside of the audition room or outside of a dance class or a singing class. because we're not taught to or exposed to and we're sort of told that they're not worth it or if you do if you teach you know those who can't teach and i'm like no <laughs> there's a yeah, lot of people that can't exactly teach. mostly people that can dance can't teach like yeah. you can have the most phenomenal west end performer come and do a workshop and the 10 year olds will go 
I don't learn anything. So, you know, I hate that. Those who can't teach, which is yeah. rubbish. Well, I nearly one, swore then. No. Like, oh, gosh, this is PC. And my parents are listening. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, one of my first presenting jobs come, I was running social media for a show on a red carpet and using the skills, transferable skills mm-hmm. there. And the presenter they had for the press junket couldn't come on whether they were sick or trained, problems, I can't remember. So I was like, who would do it? And everyone kind of backed down. And I was like, well, I'll do it. <laughs> Um, granted I had done some short courses on it mm. but I just had the confidence and the first person I had to chat to was Sir Ian McKellen and I just think <laughs> ah. yeah and someone who'd worked there was a team of production and media people there and they, yeah. they freaked out and I was like well I would love to work with him but I'm probably never going to yeah, it's I fine think being able to keep your cool in situations like that is so important so important yeah Ian McKellen love that yeah, I know um, obviously he says that's Gandalf right Yes, it is Gandalf. You shall not pass. I do that with my students. I have a, as a window pole and I bang it on the floor and say, is your back straight? Is your Gandalf <laughs> stick straight? And the other one little girl was like, Gandalf, the other day. And I was like, what? And I, I was like, oh yeah, some strange imagery I came up with. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Obviously, you describe yourself how you did. What would someone from the outside, like your parents, what would they describe what you do? <clears throat> I have no idea. I think um, my parents will say I'm successful. Um adamant, determined, <laughs> feisty. But I think if you, I don't know what people think I do. And I kind of don't care anymore. I did, probably up until I was about 27. And then I was just like, you know what? I don't care what you think. Um, it took a long time to do that. And I think that's a really good moment of realization is when you don't care what people think. That's when you win, I think. And I saw something online earlier about success comes when you don't, you're not, you're not trying to win the race. So yeah. I think, I have no idea what people think I do. I know some people think I just teach little kids how to dance. And I'm like, yeah, probably, yeah, kind of, I guess. Um, but yeah, my close friends know exactly what I do. And I have a lot of phenomenal fans across the world who are so are using my techniques in their studios, which is amazing to see in there. Yeah. I love those. They're, they're amazing. Shout out to all Rosina Andrews Method Studios. All Woo! 700 50 of them, oh, or something like that of them, which are international. Yeah. Yes, because I know you've been to like Australia, America, yeah. somewhere, you went to Europe, somewhere, or you're going to somewhere in Europe. Going to Italy tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, travel a lot. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, no, something I never thought I'd do, because I turned down a cruise, you know, like, yeah. when well, you never travel the world. Oh, okay. Like, surprise, I here I am. <laughs> and then speaking of online, obviously social media in the entertainment industry now, I'm now doing what I do with my brand in a social media workshops and consultancy, I see both the pros and negatives of it, how you can connect with people you never would have been out to before, mm. how you can showcase yourself. I always say, don't just leave your talent in the audition room, yeah. put it on social media, perform to thousands, but also the negative sides that come yeah. with it. So what are your views on social media in the dance industry and particularly maybe mm. even in education? I love social media and I hate social media. At the moment, I feel like my social media is all just about promoting myself which is great but sometimes I just think oh I'm bored of seeing adverts for my workshops um I think it is something that we have to embrace and a lot of educational establishments especially older generations are like oh social media is so stupid but actually if we use it in the correct way it is very inspiring and I think for the students you can't stop them from going online and making TikToks so you might as well go online and make a TikTok you know and try and kind of relate in that sense I think for dance people are missing the point and actually today i think is safe internet day or something yeah i noticed a scheduled post of mine that i'd written so if you're listening to this yes in the future it was um the 11th 11th of february (laughs) just in case someone's like is it now and they're listening in like april or may february February. and um i posted i posted my three rules about social media because because i work with kids 
And because it seems like a lot of dance schools just have lose personal kind of barriers when it comes to posting pictures of children. If you can see what you don't want to see of a child, don't post it. And I just don't understand as to yeah. why you wouldn't. I always said, like, I was joked to Sam that I was going to just walk into the middle of like a road, take my trousers off and hit me splits in my pants. Because that's what people do. And I think people are, that people need to understand that that is wrong. So I think social media is very hype and everyone just copies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. I mean, it's it's built my business. Without social media, I wouldn't have a business. And then, so follow me on Instagram. Yes, um, what are your handles, quickly? Um, at Rosini Ballerini, um, which is awful, I know, but it's my nickname at college and it has stuck. And then Rosina Andrews Method on Facebook. Amazing. Um, again, keeping them with social media, you are like an influencer now in the Ooh, dance education world. Yeah. What has been the most crazy rumour you've heard about yourself now? Because oh, I'm sure people do speculate, oh, there's she's... quite a few rumours, yeah. Um, Especially because uh, I'm not doing it. I'm not being part of a big convention that's coming up, which I usually am. And I'm, I'm literally not doing it because I wanted to spend the money that I did that on that on marketing on something else. Um, I've, I've heard I'm pregnant. I've heard that like Amplify got banned because it's also a convention. Yeah, I hear some funny things. Yeah, like me and Sam were like broken up. We're, we're really not just because I don't post pictures of him. Like. I don't post pictures of anyone, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, when people think Rory is my son or my husband or my boyfriend. Or, <laughs> You're I'm like, like, do I know yeah. like? Yeah. <laughs> Could pop out an 18-year-old, baby. <laughs> no, because I think people are quite on... Um how we say like you have to be in your own um your own business as we both are yeah. you have to take the positives and the negatives mm. so if you make a loss that's on you yeah. if you do really well that's also on yeah, you yeah. so there's all these speculations sometimes and oh. it's hard to police all of that there's a lot of speculation it's funny though it's like it's only dance but i think it's what's lovely to hear again is this you being very authentic and honest about how you still you I have think that authentic and honest is the way i've built my brand um you know people Whenever I go on a rant on Facebook, because I do like to send a rant on my page, not my personal page, um, people are like, oh, I love how honest you are. Like, why has nobody said this before? Like, I posted a picture of a very, very high-cut bikini um, on my social media and with a comment, like, would you would you want to see a 10-year-old in this, having been at a dance competition for, I don't know, all weekend and seen way more yeah. than I really should? And it got shared, like, 600 times. And people are like, oh, I wanted to say this for so long. I'm like, well, why haven't you? Like, come yeah. on. People don't necessarily want to be the... They don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah, they don't want to be the leader in the change. And No, I mean, I quite like being the leader yeah. of the bad guy. I don't really want to be the bad guy. But... No, but I guess I think when you have got passions and skills and a trajectory, again, going to the 80-20 rule... It's a very leap surgery word, trajectory. Yeah, trajectory there. Um, with the 80-20 rule, part of it, when I read it, it's actually in the four-hour work week. It's also, it can be the same for, for people as well, like... You could get 80% of negativity and mm. time draining from 20% of people you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying you should just read it and then cut everyone out of your life, but there were certain people <laughs> I was like, actually... Yeah, I've, I, I've done that yeah. a lot recently. I think there's some people that drain your creativity and they just need to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? if you're listening. <laughs> For creativity, what do you like to do in your spare time? Obviously, you don't have much of it, but what do you like spare to try and time? do? Spare time, what's that? <laughs> I mean, I, maybe I, I think I have more spare time than people think. I think I actually have... I do less than people think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, compared to a normal person, maybe I do more. But that's good business um, strategy because you're you've got content out four there. Four hour work week. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, four but... hour work day, maybe. Yeah. Um, what do I do in my free time? I don't know. I like to travel. Um, I like to just sit on the sofa and watch like Call the Midwife. Um, and we've recently moved house, so like decorating my house and coming up with things like that. But yeah, free time. I even like to help my friends out with like 
drawing them logos and <laughs> things yeah. like that. So yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think because of with with quite we've like just... shopping too. Especially yes. with my, my ginger assistant. Who's not your bad, son. Not yes. my son. a bad <laughs> influence on my shopping I think one thing how we've said in like one-on-one or what group sessions you've been to is like, you have to make your social media work as hard for you as you do for yourself. So eventually mm. you don't have to. And I think that's a good yeah. thing you've implemented. I'm not just saying it because I've helped you with it, but you've implemented a business <laughs> <David> strategy. <laughs> but you've done so well and you've taken, you've gone beyond what we have set in yeah. place, which I think you've taken what I've helped you with and you've run with I it, which like is I'd, amazing. I've, start, I've started it and I feel like I have got it set up. I feel like I could work more. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to use the word that I'm content because as soon as you get content, that's when you begin to yeah. fail. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. You have helped a massive, no. like we still, still need to have that lunch. <laughs> um, so I'll let you go soon. So I've kept you so much time, but can you tell us quickly a bit about Amplify and then where can we find you online? Yeah. So Amplify is our, I said our, it's me, Sam, and probably a bit of Rory's brainchild of an education convention. It is an all day of dance uh, in eight different nationwide venues. We've just finished season two, so we're currently planning season three, which starts in November. Um, and it's just one way to get Rosina Andrews' method teaching and other faculty members that I believe in to kids in places where they can't always get down to London or they can't always get to a workshop or they can't afford an online subscription. So it's sort of like sending education in dance a bit more around the country. So yeah, that's Amplify. Um, where can you find me online? You can find me at rosinaandrews.co.uk subscribe to my newsletter um, which I probably don't send out enough if Jamie was looking at my MailChimp but yeah we'll work on that and uh, Rosini Ballerini on Instagram amazing and I urge all listeners to follow Rosina even if you are not a dancer yourself you'll have a great laugh yeah oh yeah there's there's (laughs) a see like all the other avenues in the creative world there are and the scene kind of how whether it's good days or bad days someone is making it work and I think sometimes Mm. as again performers we are you go to college and then you leave, and then you kind of think, I'll get an agent, get a job. But yeah. the gone are the days when you can just sit and wait for a phone call. Like, oh, yeah. I graduated, oh gosh, what, 2007? So, like, 13 years ago. Wow. And even back then, privates only had 30 people yeah. in audition, where now a private may oh, have yeah. 90. And that will depend on your social media as well. Exactly. So, there's so many factors. So, thank you so much, Rosina. I shall no, let you go, you but so you much, have been Jamie. amazing. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Do go and follow Rosina Andrews online. If you loved it that much, don't be shy. Leave a little review on the iTunes store and there'll be another episode next week.